Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. No, that is that is not good, because you 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 talk the most of the of the three people on the show. Oh, there we go. I think we're okay there. Oh, I'm. Oh, sorry. oh thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, good. Well, oh, okay. Well, uh, everything everything is in order. Hey, sorry about that, everyone. Welcome to the Fightful Select. Not just Fightful Select, the Fightful Wednesday Night Wrestling Podcast. I'll condense my introduction. I apologize. Hey, you know what? That's what happens sometimes. Not just Fightful. When you do when you do things. Uh, when you do things live like that, I'm really sorry, everyone. But hey, I'm not sorry that uh, that we had another great evening of wrestling here on Wednesday uh, on Wednesday night, uh, and uh, we're here we're here to talk about wrestling. You already heard Alex do his introduction, say hello, and all of that all of that stuff. But then we also are joined here this evening by Carlos Toro, who is. Uh, uh, who is going to be joining us? Uh, who's joining us in replacement of Louis Dangour, who had uh, who had uh, the night off? He's on. Hey, he's on assignment. Let's say that <laughs> he had something. Uh, and uh, Carlos is going to be joining us here this evening. Carlos is uh, well. He's been at Fightful for for a while, covering boxing. But now, Carlos, if I'm not mistaken, you are uh, you are going to be transitioning from uh, from boxing into a real sport that of <laughs> professional wrestling isn't that right carlo i mean it's it only fair that i would start out at fightful as one of the original writers and then now finally four years later on the week or at least the week after the four-year anniversary i would finally transition into the sport of kings it only took me four years but hey i'm fully on board on fightful solely on the wrestling side and i couldn't be more excited to kick off that uh that that relationship with me and wrestling 100% of the time than being here. There you go. There you go. That talk about that's passion for you, enthusiasm, and we're very glad to have Carlos here this evening. This is actually Carlos's uh, his uh, contractually obligated uh, yearly appearance on a fightful podcast tonight. So we're good. We're we're happy to have you. We're happy to have everyone here tonight. And folks, you know you can support. Uh, Fightful by heading on over to Fightful Select. I talked about it a little bit, especially when I was muted, but I'll talk about it again. Alex Velowski is over there uh, doing Sour Graps where he reviews WWE, uh, their main roster shows, Raw and SmackDown, on a weekly basis. He gets Sean that does a, a Q&A show that 
just has so many questions in it. Like that in about itself is value. You get extra content from the list and your boy. This these days it's the list and your girl podcast, but you get that extra content there. You get Steven Jensen who covers non WWE programming. All sorts of great stuff there. You get uh, you get ex- um, uh, you get uh, little news tidbits is, uh, there as well. Some uh, some sneak peeks into stuff. Fightful Select is the best way to support Fightful. So get on over there, show some love, give some subscriptions there. But you can also show some love by dropping us a super chat here live as we're as we're chatting, and I will read your comment or question out loud for everyone to hear such as the one left by Jason Check left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Jason says, we still love you, Mr. Warren Hayes. Thank you. And also, hello, Carlos and Alex. Glad that you didn't leave those two guys, that you didn't leave the two <laughs> others out. You know, Alex gets very sensitive about that stuff. Anakin. I do. I he, do. Do, he does. Anakin left us a super chat as well. <laughs> says, Carlos appears uh, and like a true boxing writer, knocks out Warren's audio. That's right. <laughs> Didn't even make it. Didn't even make it past the first round. Ba boom. <laughs> maybe I maybe I maybe gone from the boxing game on Fightful, but the boxing has not left my heart entirely. Well, of course, of course, we we're not we're not saying that you know suddenly you know, in life life you need to you need to be able to uh, to appreciate many things, right? It's not just one thing. That'd be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Of course. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you, Evan. Says uh, thank you for joining us, Carlos. Uh, Alex and I love uh, Alex. Excuse me. I love Sour Grab Saturday this week. Warren, I'm excited for tomorrow's stream. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, yeah, Saturday must have been, uh, or not must have been, because I listened to it. Fr- Saturday's edition of Sour Graps was, was something else. Yeah, um, there's that uh, uh, little viral screenshot of uh, Big Show from Monday Night Raw, uh, where he was really mad at, at Randy Orton, and he just had. Like the biggest wide mean eyes ever, but like it was shot through red ropes, so it looked like his whole face was just like Brock Lesnar red. That was just me for forty-five minutes on Saturday night. I, I was not happy. Go check that out, Fightful Select guys. It is a good time. It is, uh, and you know, if you want Alex at his sourest, well, WWE gave him all the content for it, guys. Yeah. Which one of the two shows tonight was best? Was it? NXT was at AEW Fighter Fest. In one word, who won Alex, NXT, or AEW? Uh, NXT. Carlos, in one word. AEW. Oh, so I'm going to have to call this one down the middle. Uh, I'm going to have to go with AEW. I think so. We're going to start with AEW tonight, folks. Fight for the Fallen. Which, uh, which actually uh, part of the proceedings this evening, sort of to follow follow up on um, on uh, the uh, the charity that they worked for last year. This year, uh, they uh, they're raising funds through the sales of T-shirts for Florida's First Coast Relief Fund and the Feeding Northeast Florida organization to help uh, people affected by COVID. So that's always nice. That's good to see that they're doing their part locally like that. The, but the evening started off with. Cody successfully defending the TNT Championship against Sonny Kiss. And it was all Cody early on. We got a disaster kick really early as well. Uh, Kiss got a few kicks in uh, as well. Uh, the uh, the uh, flipping slap setup that uh, Sonny Kiss does was blocked by Cody and just smoothly transitioned into a half Nelson. 
There's a nice northern suplex by Kiss that follows as well. And that cartwheel axe kick. Ooh, that never looks easy to take as far as a move goes. Uh, Kiss reverses out of the crossroads and hits one of his own. A 450 splash as well. Cody Alabama slams Sonny on the stage and he hits a vertebraker as well. There's a bit of a lame slingshot spot, uh, but uh, it doesn't keep Cody from winning the match with a crossroads. Um, what did you think about the match, Carlos? Tell, tell us about it. You know, one thing that I, first of all, I thought this match was, was pretty good for the most part. I mean, Sunny Kiss, I think a lot of people have slept on Sunny Kiss as a, as a worker. I think that's something that really hasn't been shown during his time in AEW. And I think a lot of people who have seen Sunny Kiss in other promotions and in Lucha Underground, when he gets a chance to shine, especially as a singles competitor, Sunny Kiss can go. And the one thing that I absolutely loved uh, throughout this whole match was the ongoing dynamic between Cody and Arn Anderson. You kind of saw throughout the match, Arn Anderson start to get really, really mad with Cody. A lot of mental lapses we saw with Cody in one particular moment when he tried to get uh, Sonny, he had him in a, in a cover, and then Sonny got, uh, got the foot up on the rope, and, and you just saw Arn just get livid. With, with that and they're kind of starting to play off of that a little bit and I think that's something I, I think that's really good because you look at Cody and obviously it that goes without saying he's been a successful wrestler champion in so many different countries but I think one thing that AW could and should play off is the the fact that he's had so many different high level matches on a weekly basis and it almost looks like it's starting to kind of get to him. Like there's a little bit of mental fatigue. Like you can just start playing off the fact that he's won. He's won so he's had so many championships, but he's never had to defend the title this many times in successive weeks on television. Mm -hmm. So the mental fatigue is almost starting to creep in a little bit. And I think you could see a scenario where you could have guys who may not be as well known or may not be exactly high up on the AEW card, kind of do what Sandy Kids has been doing, get some offense in and maybe take advantage of some of the uh, mental lapses Cody has had. You know, Cody, I think you're starting to see a little bit of cracks in his repertoire as far as being able to string moves together. And, and I think you're going to see maybe even closer matches where you could start legitimately seeing the next challenger becoming the new TNT champion. That's interesting. Uh, see, I wasn't I wasn't seeing this as mental fatigue. You know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of speculation because boy, oh boy, we love ourselves our speculation <laughs> in wrestling, don't oh. we? Um, that uh, that Cody might be slowly transitioning heel. You know, and I thought tonight was a uh, I thought tonight was a uh, there were a lot of telltale maybe not telltale si signs, but at least some breadcrumbs that were being laid. You know, just the fact that. There were a couple of times, or at least at one time that I remember, he, you know, he did that heel thing where he pins a guy, he kicks out, and he pins him immediately again, you know, sort of out of frustration. He got into it with Arn, you know, like Arn was a little peeved at him. Um, I feel like, you know, there's there's something to be told about that that heel turn. Do you do you see that kind of? Do you, do you see that happening down the line? It, possible. And listen, when this whole Arn Cody thing started, I think a lot of us started to kind of think, okay, down the road, we can definitely see a Cody heel turn on Arn. But especially when, it, when we were talking about the confines of tonight, I mean, 
Arn has always been viewed as the coach, the guy with sure. the playbook, the guy who's always trying to keep Cody in check. It's almost like a, 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 a let's say, Phil Jackson trying to keep Kobe in check, ma making sure that he doesn't do uh, that he doesn't do any dumb mistakes that would get him uh, uh, in a really really bad situation. And I think that's sort of kind of what we're seeing here. But I but I do also agree that I think we are starting to see maybe the seeds of a potential heel turn coming. I don't foresee that happening anytime soon, maybe not for another couple of months, especially with no crowds. I think if you want yeah. to do something like that, maybe you want to hold it off for when there are actual crowds really, really get that uh, get that heat going. Remember, guys, if you leave us a, a, you can always leave us a super chat and I will read it. And if your super chat ties into a, a match or a segment, that we're going to cover, I'm going to save it. But don't worry, even if I don't read it immediately, uh, if I don't read it immediately, I got it in my pocket. Don't worry. Uh, FTR defeated the Lucha Bros here this evening. A bit of a uh, a, a bit of a match that uh, a lot of people were excited about because um, you know, Alex, I just like your thought on this really quickly. You know, the revival and the Lucha Bros, they they kind of represent two very different styles of wrestling in the. Uh, I don't think uh, the FTR, when they were known as the Revival, ever really hid their disdain as to uh, in regards to what the Lucha Bros were, what the Lucha Bros do usually. So this was an interesting match. Yeah, yeah, I, I you know, it's one of those things where it's a, it was a dream match of mine. Like I love these uh, tag team wrestling when it's done right, and the Revival, formerly the Revival, uh, FTR, uh, certainly does tag team wrestling right. Um, and Lucho Bros, um, I, I appreciated their work a lot more as, as singles wrestlers in uh, in Lucha Underground. But I knew they they teamed together. I've seen all their you know high spots and stuff. It's like, oh, okay, let's see. It'll be a clash of styles. You know how sure. how are we going to see you know these these two things mesh? And it turns out not well. <laughs> like it it like it's it it it. Sometimes you have two very different styles of wrestling that just can't find a happy medium. Like each, each team is like, well, well, we're going to do our thing uh, the way we do it. But if you do it that way and the other team's whole thing is anti that sometimes it just looks like a, you know, a, a, a slow motion car wreck, but not even like a car wreck, like, like something even more brutal, like, like two horse-drawn carriages just slamming into each other at like 15 miles an hour. The, the horse's legs get all tangled. You got to shoot both of them. It's horrible. Now you got two dead horses and stagecoaches with people in them, and they're miles and miles from the nearest outpost. I've been paying a lot of Red Dead Redemption. Listen, <laughs> this, this didn't look great. There was that really weird spot where Dax is, is laying in the middle of the ring and then... Uh, Phoenix and, and and Pentagon like are trying to do this weird thing where like they're they're gonna splash one guy into the other one, but they didn't just do it. They gotta like do a weird flippy deal into it so they can roll through it and then splash the other guy onto it. And it just they had to like reset like three times. Just have a wrestling match. Mm -hmm. it, it would be would be my thing. I I think there is a great wrestling match to be had between these two teams, but although it got better after that. The first half of this match was not that great wrestling match. It was it was a little bit on the rough side. Um, I was glad when the match started and Dax Harwood had no time for Pentagon's hand gestures. He just 
stomped them yep. straight off the bat. Uh, and the uh, the Lucha Bros, they chopped the hell out of Dax's chest. They, he was outright bleeding. Um, one of these weird spots was the Bros tried to do a, a wheelbarrow attack on a fallen Dax, but they couldn't pull it off. They tried a couple of times. It just it just didn't work. Um, yeah, and um, the, um, the basically the Lucha Bros did a lot of their usual double team offense on Cash, who was the baby face in peril for this match. Uh, FTR do their superplex splash combo, but it's countered by the Lucha Brothers. Uh, Cash Tope's on two. Pentagon was on the outside. And then eats a splash from the top rope by Phoenix. But the match comes to a screeching halt, Carlos. When Dax does a... When Dax avoids, I should say, a roundhouse kick by Phoenix and just rips the mask off, rolls him up and pins him, Anakin left off a super chat saying, in his in my head, in my head canon, FTR was finally getting vindication for Lucha House Party Rules matches. Yes. <laughs> Carlos, um, Alex, I think Alex has a, some very valid points regarding this match. It was a little messy. What did you think? Well, first of all, I, I do have to say that uh, whoever in the super chat said that, I completely agree. And I like to think in my own head canon, that's the real reason why they want the why FTR went to AEW just so they can have a chance to rip off some lucha mask when if and when uh, they would come back from Mexico and be on these shows. But but overall, I I thought this match at at first did seem a little bit rough, but I but I was a little more uh, positive uh, towards the end of this match. I think this match once you kind of got the ball rolling and once you started getting into the nitty-gritty of things, I think you started to see what could be a really, really good match. I didn't think that this was the night where you have the best possible match out of these two. Sure. I think more more often than not, I think this is a, a I guess, the first of many uh, tag team matches we'll have between these two in a long time. Not, not discounting the eight-man that they had uh, at, at Fighter Fest, but the way I look at this match, and, and it kind of ties ties over over to FTR's uh, rivalry with the Young Bucks, is that you look at the dynamics between that feud and the whole which tag team is the better, which has carried tag team wrestling over the last decade, and you look at FTR, and you could be and you can tell that FTR kind of has a, a leg up over the Young Bucks because if you think about it, when you compare the Young Bucks and how they perform against Lucha Bros. And the biggest match that they had, and that was the Escalera de la Muerte match last year at All Out. Mm -hmm. And Lucha Bros won that match. And so now FTR now can say, hey, Young Bucks, we were able to beat Lucha Bros while you guys couldn't even beat them in a match that on paper should have been in your guys' favor. So now you're kind of starting to see layers and layers, not just between Young Bucks and FTR, but also Butcher and the Blade and also uh, Lucha Bros kind of fitting it all everything. Without, sound, without it being getting too old too quickly, it, it still feels fresh in some way. After the match, we have an angle set up where uh, uh, FTR argue with uh, Butcher and the Blade who still have their pickup truck, but the Bucks sneak up behind the uh, Butcher and the Blade, and get the keys back. Then out comes Kenny Omega with a cooler to celebrate with FTR. He wants to make amends, offers everyone a beer. But FTR, clearly, they still, they you know, they're still carrying that grudge, and they pour their beers over Omega. And that ticks Kenny off. 
doesn't put him in a good mood. Everyone, no, it doesn't go uh, to actual blows, but FTR get uh, get into their pickup. They're happy. Kenny Omega, Dalston Beer is not. And this angle would tie in a little later. Joe Hansen left us a super chat, says, welcome, Carlos. <laughs> Great show, as always, all. Thank you very much, Joe. We appreciate that. I do have to say, uh, one thing about the FTR, Kenny Omega's spot. Sure. Who brings Miller Light to make amends after flat out telling them no and dumping their beer last week? You know, if it were up to me, I would have chosen a million different drinks before I get to Miller Light. So FTR was well within their right to pour it all over Kenny's head. Uh, If memory serves me right, last week... Like that's what have been. That's what I've, I would have done too. You bring you bring the guy's brand from last week. But if memory serves me right, they just had labelless beer bottles. So you know, Kenny Kenny doesn't drink beer. Remember, he's he doesn't touch the stuff. So probably, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it was uh, Adam Page ribbing him. We don't know. But possible. <laughs> they, they they scrawled out a whole bunch of stuff with with Sharpie. So it wasn't Miller yeah. Light. It was <laughs> That's what it was. It wasn't actually Miller Light. Uh, Evan Wright left us a super chat says very no suitable no excuse me let me start over again welcome to the but no Evan Wright uh, left us a super chat thank you Evan says very noticeable communication issues kind of like mine in the match uh, language barrier maybe I feel they can run this back again down the line and it'll be more polished I agree could also be just old fat good old-fashioned egos at the same time right that could that could be part of it because I don't think, I, just the fact that um, Dax's chest was bleeding should tell you something. Taryn Riddick left us a super chat, say, says, uh, thank you, Taryn. I see a three-way at All Out, perhaps. FTR versus Bucks versus Omega and Page. Carlos, what do you think? I'm all for it. And listen, I honestly have believed this whole time that the end game is going to be FTR versus the Bucks. But it doesn't have to be the first thing that you get right away. You can get FTR, and as I mentioned, they got a leg up on the Young Bucks just by beating Lucha Bros. So what better way to get an even bigger leg up than beating Hangman and Kenny for the tag titles at All Out when the Young Bucks weren't able to do so, I believe, on multiple occasions? Next, we got a Chris Jericho promo. Where he comes out with Jake Hager and Santana and Ortiz, uh, he says he uh, he won the, uh, the he won the eighteen forty nine demo in the uh, ratings last week. He's never been beaten in that demo, so that makes him the demo god. Of course, he uh, says his match against Cassidy was one of his best, and he teases a rematch, but he says eh, eh, we're not getting one. And instead, he toasts Orange Cassidy for and telling him, you know, you, you got a taste of what it meant to be a main eventer. Congratulations. That actually brings out Orange Cassidy. Jericho talks more crap about him, calls him a, says he has a bad attitude, calls him a sloth, and calls him entitled. And there will never be a rematch. He tells Cassidy to get out, get the hell out of his arena. Cassidy gives him the thumbs up, lifts his thumb, only to bring it back down to the thumbs down position. And then suddenly Carlos, the heavens opened up and a deluge of orange juice. 
poured upon the great, the ungrateful crown of Le Champion. Um, I don't know how to feel about this segment. Help me, help me out here, Carlos. This immediately gave me DX Spirit Squad flashbacks, not in a good way, because I, I thought to myself, look, this is. Did they really? Okay, if you want to keep the Orange Cassidy Chris Jericho rematch, fine. I'm I'm all for it. Did it really need like a dump load of orange juice to get uh, on the inner circle? Did it really need it? Like, I mean, you can just you could have just had Jericho on commentary, and then at, at a random point, like say in the middle of Nyla Rose, after Nyla Rose get finishes her announcement, which we'll get to in a sec. Just have Jericho talk about Becky Guerrero, how scared he is, and then all of a sudden, then you have Orange Cassidy dump uh, a glass of orange juice. I feel like that would have been a little less hokey than what we saw, but let's be honest, the real MVP of this segment was Ortiz, who just keeps flopping around, unable to swim in just a wet ring, which was absolutely hilarious. I, uh, I, I, I was afraid that he, would, that he had some kind of allergy. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Please do. Go right ahead, Alex. Um, the entire segment was brilliant until Ortiz did that shit. <laughs> brilliant. Tell, the tell the me, promo by, by, Derek, by Jericho was brilliant. Uh, Cassidy coming out, standing there, putting up one hand, the, the, the thumbs down, the Batista nod, and then, um, and then the deluge opens up. And all, it's, all it needs is for Jericho, who, who's, who's so... He takes such pride in the way he carries himself with the white jacket and the scarf and the bullshit feathered hair and everything. Mm -hmm. And Jake Hager standing next to him in his white polo shirt and his slacks, which, again, it's a weird look. But them just being drenched by that thing, that is that is the bad guy getting made, made to look like a fool. That's it. That's all you need. By having Ortiz flop around on it looked like Shawn Michaels selling for Hulk Hogan. It looked like him saying this bit is stupid and I'm going to ruin it by doing this. So so much so that that Jericho and Hager are both yelling at him, "Get up. You're making it look like it like like shit. Stop it." And he won't stop it. So maybe he was rebelling. Maybe he was saying this is really stupid. I understand the whole he can't swim thing, but he's not swimming because it's a thin layer of orange juice. It was it, it was him, it looked like it was him going to business for himself and ruining what, what could have been just, just Jericho being irate at having orange juice dumped on him. That's, that's, an, that's an old timey, like, the, the guy who hates the Three Stooges gets orange juice jumped on him and he just like, oh, I'm so mad at you Three Stooges. That's what this is. It's a classic comedy bit. And you got to ruin it by some guy flopping around in orange juice. Like, there's there's two different kinds of comedy here. Actual comedy and this bullshit pratfall thing that Ortiz was doing. And obviously they were, didn't talk about it because they seemed actually mad about what he was doing. So it was weird. It was really weird to me. I loved the segment up until that moment. I was also not a big fan of the of the whole demo tech. Like I get it that Jericho's thing now on Twitter yeah. and, and on screen that's like but like yeah. and I get it, WCW did this all the time back in the in the Monday Night War. But that we but a lot of smart fans will obviously obviously know all this and it's fine. But to the people who don't care 
about the demos and everything. Just want to watch wrestling. They just like we don't care. And, and and of course, and I say this as someone who literally reports on the demos every Thursday at four p.m. Eastern. <laughs> but even then, I'm starting to get tired. It's like if I'm starting to get tired of this this whole ratings talk, then you can just imagine all the people who don't didn't even care in the first place, who probably didn't don't even know that there's a war, quote unquote, going on with NXT. Like it's it like I, I get it. That's his thing now, but that's not. A lot of people, it's going to get a lot of people angry for, for different reasons. Anakin left us a super chat, says, I have, I appreciate Cody saying, to the point of the ratings here, I appreciate Cody saying he wasn't going to tweet about ratings and demos. Jer Jericho mentioning it in his promo seemed to take uh, to take taking shots at WWE a little too far, in my opinion. Uh, I, honestly, I don't have a problem with them doing it. Kind of like Carlos said, WCW did that, did that stuff all the time. Uh, this, to me, this is fair. They can do whatever they want. Uh, just, But as someone who thinks that ratings talk is very, very boorish, it didn't do anything for me. But that's very personal. Evan Wright left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. He says, I hope, be I hope best friends have a bit on BTE setting up the juice and the rafters. Give me Jericho and Proud and Powerful versus best friends and Orange Cassidy at All Out. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because to me, this, this kind of reminded me of... Uh, Miz and Morrison sliming people not that long ago on another television program, and I didn't like that much either. DGMC left a super chat, says, thank you very much, says, BTE bit, elite at the liquor store for FTR's beer. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'd, I'd watch that. Evan Wright left us a super chat as well, says, that three-way tag should main event all out. Yeah. I mean, just in about itself, the young but the young bucks and FTR—that's a main event match in and about itself. That leads us into our next match, where uh, the young bucks and Kenny Omega defeated Jurassic Express. Evan Wright left us another super chat. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> Says the Elite versus Jurassic Express ruled match of the night across both shows. I have a tendency to uh, to agree. This was uh, this was a very fun match. Uh, Jungle Boy and Nick had a really fun exchange. Nick Jackson had a really fun exchange at, at start. Uh, Marco got some great offense in on Omega, who was selling for him, uh, because Omega essentially was underestimating Marco, and so he just got surprised. Jurassic, Jurassic Express have some great triple team work. I always like to see them uh, go off on each other, uh, go off the three of them on other dudes. The You got uh, you get the rise from the Terminator uh, by Kenny Omega as well. Uh, and meanwhile, Carlos, we see a shot of uh, Hangman Adam Page at the bar, and then we see him a little later with FTR coming up uh, to join him at the bar, and he, he's not shoo-shooing him away. He's sort of like, okay, have a seat, boys. Very interesting. I mean, to be fair, Hangman is probably tired of not of drinking and not having Kenny join him. And listen, we all want a drinking party. It's it, it's kind of sad drinking alone when you're drinking hard liquor alone. So of course he probably wanted drinking buddies. And we we saw that at Fighter Fest that when, when it comes to Kenny and alcohol, Hangman's probably going to choose alcohol. I mean, it's he's as the graphics that he's in unlicensed bartender i think that's what the graphic said for hangman page but it you know i it's weird it's you look at 
Hangman hanging out with FTR. You look at Kenny beating up on Marco after that match, kind of showing that heel tendency a little bit. It's it's a weird little dynamic because for a long time we were under the impression that Hangman Page was eventually going to turn on Kenny just so he can finally rid of himself of the association with the elite. But now it's kind of a little, now it's kind of a little bit of a roll reversal where now Hangman is sort of buddy-buddy with just about everyone. And then Kenny's the one that that the Bucks need to calm down, need to make sure that he's not mm-hmm. straying too far, uh, too far from the good guy path. But, you know, it's it's fine. It, it does plant the seeds for, for a long-term thing. And I think Hangman and Kenny, I think that whole thing was kind of abandoned a little bit when Hangman was off TV for a few weeks. But I, I think that's still something that I feel like AEW still really wants to explore as a long-term feud, if it does happen. Uh, the match actually comes to an end when uh, when Marco Stunt eats the one-winged angel for the win. And yeah, Kenny Omega, after the match, uh, started ground, uh, ground and pounding Marco uh, a little bit. Still frustrated from getting beers poured on him. Uh, there's a lot of layers to this uh, to this story here. Very in, very uh, very excited to see where this goes. Um, we got a uh, a very generous super chat from Dante. Thank you very much. Who uh, reads as follows? Dynamite was mixed. Great uh, to move the uh, needle on a few storylines. Heel, heel Kenny, Darby. But what's going on with the women's division? They got about five to six minutes total. Absurd. We didn't need that many orange juice replays. Give me more uh, on dark if necessary. Well, we did get that. Uh, the match that Dante is referring to here is the Nightmare Sisters, Ali and Brandy, do, having their uh, their dynamite or main show debut since it was it was technically fight for the fallen tonight, right? Versus MJ Jenkins and Kenzie Pays. Look, there wasn't much about this match. Brandy hit a spear. Ali hits, uh, finishes the match with an inverted face lock, elbow drop. I thought Carlos, this was a, 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 it was a short match, and it didn't need to be any longer than that. In this particular case, it was paced very well for these two ladies, and I think it makes sense if if you want to put Ali and Brandy in a wrestling ring. I think it makes sense to put them in a tag team because they can cover up each other's. Um, inexperience, let's put it that way, because uh, neither of them are really top-notch, uh, are, are, neither of them are really top-notch workers. If you want to put them on TV because you've got, a, you've got a few women who are out due to injury, well, uh, you could do worse than deciding to put them in a tag team. Your thoughts I on mean, all of this? Yeah, it, you know, it didn't need to be long. This I didn't think this was a bad match. I thought this was an inoffensive match, I, I guess to put it clearly. And yeah, I mean, it. This has been really a whole storyline with Brandy, Dustin, Cutie Marshall, and, and Ali that's been going on like on dark for for a few weeks now. It's it's fine. It's you know you, a lot of your women's roster, at least at the very top, they're they either are injured or just can't compete with for for a myriad of reasons whether it be travel restrictions or 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 whatever so i I get why you want to elevate these two especially as a tag team Mm -hmm. it's just when you look at when you look at everything i mean if this is if aw really is serious about the women's division and i think in their heart of hearts they are they have to do better than a what a four or five minute tag team match between 
two between two teams who no one cares, uh, two people who two people don't care about it. No offense to them, and then Brandy and Alley who are not exactly the best workers on the roster. I mean, I don't no. want to say they're bottom of the barrel, but the you go from Sheeta and Riho and, and Britt and Big Swole, and then it's a far drop until you get to Brandy and Alley. But you know, I, I wish that this was not the only women's match on the roster. I know we got a couple of segments, but they weren't terribly long with the other women. Mm-hmm. But I just hope that we eventually get to the point where this is we don't get a one-match show for the women, and it's only four or five minutes. Well, since we're speaking, uh, since we're talking about the women, let's keep at it. Here, Karushita cut a promo saying that she's ready to give Nyla Rose her rematch. And we get a very special interview with Nyla Rose, who reveals who her new manager is. She was teasing it last week. There was a lot of speculation out there that it was going to be Vicky Guerrero. And guess what? It's Vicky Guerrero. Vicky says uh, that they're going to go after the title when, they're, when they are ready to go after it. Uh, and she has a message for the women in the locker room. You're going to have to admit that you will never be smart enough to cheat to win. And Nyla will steal every opportunity they have. Nice little, nice little wink there, Alex. What do you think of uh, Vicky Guerrero getting an on-screen role uh, for AEW now? Um, I mean, I'm I, she's a heat magnet. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 she's just gonna just gonna soak up all that heat. That, that's that's what she does. She, so I'm I, I I think it I think it could be good. I think it could wind up being bad. We'll we'll have to see. Um, it, it's it's another thing. Take your time, Alex. I, I don't <laughs> know why they just don't let their women wrestlers wrestle and then figure it out from there. Yeah, it seems like a needless complication. Nyla Rose is a is a, a giant woman who smashes people. I mean, I don't know that she needs an advocate, a la Paul Heyman, for her to be the Brock Lesnar of the women's division. Just have her beat up people. And then the other women who are on the roster that you've signed, have them wrestle occasionally. And then we'll see from there what happens. As opposed to, like, this person gets a manager, and this tag team that we really don't care about fights a couple of jobbers. You could You could be having a, I don't know, number one contenders type battle royal dealie. Like, at least that would have some stakes to it. I'm not a huge fan of battle royals, but, you know, a gauntlet match. Sure. Whatever you want to do. Have the women who are actually wrestlers on your thing, like, wrestle for the right to face your champion, who also should be wrestling, probably. I mean, managers are great, but they're only necessary when you're you're having all your wrestles, wrestlers wrestle, and they're not getting over. You're not doing the first step. You got to have them wrestle first before you can see if they get over. I honestly believe Abaddon could get over as this crazy zombie lady who scares the shit out of her opponents. But you've only given her one damn match on on your show. You have one match on Dark, which was really great. One match on on uh, on actual Dynamite, which was really over really fast. But she seemed to get over at, in that moment. We haven't seen her in like a month. Mm-hmm. I mean. Try, try doing something. Well, Dante agrees with you. He left us a super chat. Again, thank you. Says, give me an Abaddon vignette. 
And you know, that can also just be a simple way to get someone over if you really, really don't want to give your women time for to be on uh, to be on TV. I mean, for the past, uh, over the last six weeks, Dynamite has averaged just over five minutes of women's mm. matches. That's not good. Yep. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Again, thank you, Evan. The women's divisions the women's division criticism is absolutely deserved. Maybe my issue is they've built up so much good faith with me that I'm willing to wait and see. Um we've been uh, Carlos, we've been in wait and see mode uh, since the beginning of AEW when it comes to their women's division. They promised a lot. Sure they got a couple of uh, a couple of surprises, a couple of curveballs such as Kylie Ray deciding to leave and I'm pretty sure they had some pretty important plans for her. Um, but, uh, we've been in wait and see for a long time. I think it's time for them to put their big boy pants on and do something with the division, Carlos. Yeah. And look, and it, and there's been a couple of really, really high spots. Obviously Riho as champion, I think has been really good. I think Nyla as uh, reign as champion was, was solid for the she most part. Ma- ma- you know, and, and you got Sheeta, who I think is a phenomenal baby face champion, but I mean, Aside, if you're not with, if you're not four or five women, specific women, Brit, them being Brick, Nyla, uh, who am I, a big swole, Sheeta. At, at, at this moment, obviously, you know, Riho is not is not on TV because she's in Japan right now. But but aside from those, there, it's almost like there's almost no chance uh, for any other women to blossom. Me, yeah. Abaddon, it would be perfect. To would thrive if they give her a, a chance to to do some stuff on Dynamite, and it's like it's not always well. We're giving them matches on Dark, and that should suffice. It's it, it isn't. It's not. It shouldn't be the bare minimum. It should be it, it should be complementing all the great stuff you should be doing on the roster. And and there's some and some of the women have done great. Britt Baker, while being injured, has been. Absolutely fantastic, playing off the uh, her chemistry with Tony Schiavone. Big Swole also doing really well. But like, aside from a specific group of women who have been the women that they've been pushing for a long time, there really hasn't been any chances for other women to shine. I'm hoping Ivelisse and Diamante are able to turn some heads and you know open up some spots for other women. But aside from that, I mean, again, next week there's only one match. Mm-hmm. And it is only one match with uh, with two new faces. Uh, DGMC uh, echoes your sent- sentiments with <clears throat> with the super chat, saying if AEW doesn't sign Ivelisse, I will cry so much. Well, uh, both of those women actually, uh, both of them have uh, tremendous experience. Ivelisse has been in the business for a long, long time. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens moving on next week. Anakin left uh, a super chat again. Thank you very much. Anakin says, never thought WWE would be the company that gives more time to women's matches than AEW. Well, you know, it is uh, it is Evolution Week this week. And, um, uh, yeah, okay, I already read that super chat. Apologize. Um, so there we go. Uh, Evan Wright left us a super chat as well. Thank you, Evan. Says, whenever this Omega Page story comes to blows, it's going to be miraculous quickly becoming a dream match level thing for me omega being the heel of course there is no way they can make adam page a heel that just will not jive once the audience are back they could try now but it's not gonna jive when people are back next week we are getting 
Adam Page versus five of the Dark Order. Cody will defend, as we mentioned, Ivelisse versus Diamante. Uh, and we'll get the Young Bucks versus Butcher and the Blade in a Falls Count Anywhere match, plus Jurassic Express versus Jericho and Hager. And this will lead us into the, our main event. John Moxley cuts a, a promo, says he's been uh, he's been mad over the past couple of weeks. He's been like a, an animal in a cage, and he's pretty sure he's going to be able to paradigm shift Brian Cage. He might be swole, but he'll be able. Well, we find out soon enough that he can, but it's... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details not very effective um because john moxley but well we'll see john moxley did successfully defend the AEW world title against ftw champion brian cage um this was about the power moves early on especially by cage uh curling mox and then uh, overhead uh, overhead slamming them they wrestle into the uh into the stands as well uh, Mox set up a barricade against the apron and tries to paradigm shift Cage onto it, but Cage reverses it and suplexes him uh, instead. Um, they uh, they go uh, once they go back to the floor. Cage suplexes Mox on an upright chair that could not have felt good because boy that chair collapsed. Mox hits the par- the paradigm shift, but Cage kicks his kicks out of it. And eventually, the match comes to an end when Mox uh, gets uh, gets Cage into an arm bar, cinches it in, will not let go. Cage will not tap, and Taz throws in the towel. Carlos, that's uh, yeah, wasn't expecting that, but okay. That that was a curveball, and I honestly, I did not expect that. I think that's a I think I suppose if you really want to keep Brian Cage strong, I suppose either throw, having Taz throw in the towel or just having the the typical, uh, you know, be having a submission and then having have the guy faint from the pain, it, to avoid getting pinned or or submit. But this was uh, this was unique in the sense that we've seen title matches end either decisively or on the rare occasion be a shenanigan that leads on to something bigger, like, for example, MJF uh, throwing in the, cow- the towel for, Co- uh, yeah, for Cody, for Cody. Uh, last year. And and it's fine. I, I, I'm curious to see where this is going because at the very least, we know that it's going to lead to something, or at least we should hope so, as opposed to a lot of some of the newer faces who were immediately brought on, given a big push, lose their first title match, and then they're just off without a direction i mean for example you got 
Jake Hager, who's, who went from being a, a top contender and to just being just another part of Jericho's inner circle and really hasn't shown anything of note since then. Mm-hmm. Then you have Lance Archer, who is just without nothing to do, aside from having a good match with Joey Janela after the match with, with Cody. And then you have you know, Brody Lee, who's just re- trying to recruit Colt. But aside from that, there's nothing for him to do right now. So at the very least, there's something you can do with Cage and Taz. So I'm hoping at least is something. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says Mox getting the arm bar on the surgically repaired arm makes a load of sense. Taz throwing in the towel protects Cage, which we were skeptical about. Absolutely. I agree. After the match, the lights go out. And when they come back on, it's the under... No, it's Darby Allen who's on the top rope and he skateboard. He skateboards Brian Cage in the face. And uh, they, Cage tries to get after him, but they keep, as the offering, uh, offspring said, they kept them separated. Mox is in the ring with them and they all seem pleased at the end. Some quick thoughts on the final angle, Carlos? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, it plays off the whole Taz failed to recruit Darby Allen a, a few weeks ago after Darby lost to Cody in the TNT tournament. I, you know, it, it's fine. It, it's a it's a big feud for for Darby, who has been, uh, you know, I don't want to say hot and cold, but it's been it's been a little weird. Like you can tell that they really, really are behind. And I mean, they as an AEW, they're really behind Darby, but it's. He's still sort of on that mid card status where you'll ha- you'll have really good matches with some of the top guys, but it's still not quite there yet as far as winning a title per se. So I- I'm okay. I'm all for this this feud between Darby Allen and Cage, and by extension Taz. I'm just disappointed that he didn't bring on Tony Hawk or Travis Pastrana to help beat up uh, Brian Cage. I, I think that if, if Darby Allen really does have a death wish, as we've all speculated, then the perfect guy for him to feud with is Brian Cage. Because I'm pretty sure, didn't he murder a few dudes in Lucha, Lucha Underground with his power gauntlet? He did. Like, yeah. So, so like, he's he's killed people before in canon. So, so if Darby Allen's like, you know what, let's dance with the devil, my friend, that's the guy to do it with, I, 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 I find. It, it is, though, uh, a third guy... Big giant dude to come into AEW to be booked as a monster until he comes up against a champion or in a championship match and then loses in, in the way like I understand if you just look at this completely out of any kind of other context, just this thing, him having the surgically arm uh, arm surgically repaired arm in an arm bar and Taz throwing in the towel, that's fine. But in the larger context of what happened to Lance Archer and what happened to Brody Lee and now Cage, it looks like they're just signing big dudes to have them come in, beat up everybody else, and then once they get up against the final boss, they go, and I mean, that's that's not great. So we got to figure out where we go from here. If Brian Cage murders Darby Allen and then Darby Allen comes back as a skateboarding ghost, like, I'll eat my words. Yeah. But right now, it doesn't look great for Brian Cage. No, I agree. They, 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 they got to stop propelling their 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 big newcomers immediately to the big title scene it, it also makes and i'm sorry to interrupt, but it also makes john moxley's title reign a little bit predictable and a little bit stale yeah. where where you guys getting you're just lining up dudes 
who they just signed, only to lose to Moxley, and then, boom, you guys don't do anything else with, with, with the new guy, and then just Mox moves on to the next guy. And it starts to get stale and predictable to, to a certain point. It's, uh, I, I hope it changes soon, but right now it's I'm not super high on Mox as champion. Not necessarily by his fault, but sure. by the way his, his title run has been. Xanthius left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, I can't wait until next week when Alex, Alex Marvez interviews Brian Cage down by the overpass as Cage and Lance Archer ponder where everything went wrong. JJ Lee left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says, that AEW main event finish felt WWE-like. I'm used to AEW being unafraid to have a guy just lose or win. Well, that's kind of what we were saying. You know, you bring in the big guys, you want them to look strong. And if the first match you put them in is in a a, a world title uh, shot, well, you're shooting yourself in the leg. DGMC left us a, uh, a couple of super chats. Thank you very much. Says the way Brody and Archer were brought in, um, the only place to go was down. It's just a backwards way to not build them up traditionally to lose anyway. I concur. And I think we're all three of us here are in agreement as well. And uh, in this other super chat, he adds, they were always, uh, they were going to lose to the Moxes and Cody's anyway. Yeah. Which is the, the problem is that maybe if, if you're just going to bring them in to build them up, to feed them to guys they really aren't allowed to beat because of the greater storyline of your entire company, then maybe don't book those matches right now. There you go. Reminder, folks, if you leave a, you can continue to leave us some super chats as we move into the NXT review, and we'll read your question or comment on the air. NXT, no special event tonight. It was just your plain old vanilla NXT, Alex. That starts off with Keith Lee coming out to cut his first po promo as champ champ. And since he is a champ champ, he demands a dual presentation. So he gets two, and he uh, puts over Tim Brooks as his trainer, and he says that he's happy to celebrate uh, his win with the WWE Universe, his family, family backstage, such as one guy, Alex, that I was, I'm sure you were thrilled when he called him out to say, let's have a match, friend. He calls out Dominic Dijakovic, who is the, says the only person who, uh, Dijak is the only person who has ever tested him to his limits despite the fact that Keith Lee likes to say he's limitless and so the best way Alex clearly to kick off his reign is to defend against Dominic Dijakovic tell me what you think about all of this um this was this was one of the greatest babyface moments in, in recent memory in WWE across yeah. all three brands yeah no the guy who comes out uh he thanks his trainer because I wouldn't be here without this and also Without saying it, he recognizes that that series of matches he had with Dijakovic put him on the map in NXT and thusly led to his being featured at Survivor Series weekend, led to him being the uh, North American champ, and then finally, last week, to becoming the double champ. Without Dijakovic making him look like a trillion dollars in those matches, he never gets this opportunity. So he brings out his frenemy, his, his rival and his friend, Dijakovic and says, you are the only guy who deserves a shot at these titles. I'm still going to beat you because, because I'm confident that I can, but you're the only guy who deserves the first shot at these titles because without you, I don't get here. That's great. As opposed to like, you're not in my league and I'm now I'm the champ. 
uh, everyone root for me because I'm the greatest and super arrogant, like what normally they do with baby faces, or make him make him um, you know a, a coward or stupid. But like him saying, "I, you are the reason I was here. Uh, I'm here now, and that because of that, you deserve the first shot at these, and I'm still gonna beat you." And and Dijakovic being like, "You know what? I know I can beat you. Let's do it." I think that's great. I think that's really, really well done, um, and it allows him to have uh, a great, strong victory to start out his reigns before he gets thrown into this quagmire of a thing we're going to talk about at the end of the show. Um, just uh, between you and I, <laughs> just between you and I here and everyone yeah. listening, um, I groaned a little bit when, when Dijak sure. was called out because... Alex, you know, we've talked about it often on the podcast, you and I, uh, the the triumvirate of Priest, Lee, and Dijak was, right. uh, it was getting on the level of Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understand your point, but didn't you at first go like, really? No, no? because it had, been, it had been long enough that I, have, I hadn't seen Dijakovic on TV in, what, over a month at least? Two months? It's mm-hmm. been forever. Because the thing was like he's gonna be he's gonna be brought up to Raw and he never actually debuted and so he's been gone for so long it felt like a blast from the past and I didn't think oh here we go another feud between Lee and Dijakovic I was like one more match one more match Dijakovic puts over his friend Strong on his way up finally to Raw and and we'll we'll talk about this later but he's gonna do it in a different way as well to make his future opponent look great on his way up there as well. Dijakovic doing the thing where you go out on your back to put over not only the champ, but sure. the monster to face the champ on your way out of the territory. It was like, it's a, it's an old, old classic wrestler thing to do for Dijak. I thought it, I thought it was great. And I agree with you on, on principle. I don't love that Priest is like, hey, by the way, I'm here. I'm also here. Uh, give me a title shot too, please. I don't like that he's also involved. But if you again just look at Dijak versus Lee and that storyline, I, I thought I thought it was well handled at least. Well, let's talk about the match since we're already on it. The match happens a little later, but you know, fluidity. Yep. It was a winner take all match that was set up nonetheless here, uh, where Keith Lee did defend both of his titles against Dominic Dijakovic. There's a lot of test of strengths here and. I, you know, when the match started, I thought that they were pacing for a 30-minute match. Did not turn mm-hmm. out to be that way. Um, the first the first big spot of the uh, of the first part of the match before they went to commercial was Lee double-chopping Dijak down. And during the match, uh, during the com- when we come back from commercial, they show us, look what happened during the commercial. And there was a forearm shot that happened during the... That mm-hmm. was the replay. They decided yep. to show there wasn't much to this to this match, Alex. There was Dijak hit a blockbuster, blockbuster, and a discus kick. Uh, Keith Lee uh, hit a huge one-handed choke slam and the Big Bang catastrophe. But boy, oh boy, this uh, this was this didn't do it for me. No, it, it certainly was not the, the best match between them. I mean, that's I mean, I, I have to. The, the the promo led into something that I thought it was going to be better than this, um, but it also had a different energy. It wasn't, you know, we got to prove ourselves 
uh, in front of this entire crowd and wow all the smarks on the internet. It was, we've proven ourselves, you're the double champ. Now we're, we're friends and rivals having this match and I got to see if I can best you one last time. And it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit right, but that was a different story they were telling. There weren't as big, there weren't big spots. Mm. I loved that thing where, 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 uh, where Lee was in dominating the whole match uh, and then wound up on the top rope and Dijakovic was this close to hitting the, um, uh, whatever his finisher is, uh, the feast your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he looks and he looks at Lee and he says, I almost had you. And Lee's like, yeah, you did. Let's get back to it. It felt like it was building to a much longer match that it didn't get. Yeah. Um, and it didn't, it didn't feel like it was the momentous Dijak saying farewell to NXT, Lee saying thank you for being my great and worthy opponent. We, we'll meet again in the, in, in the future. It didn't feel like, like what they were trying to do was sure. that, but that didn't actually, all the pieces didn't come together. That's that's a that's a problem, but I, I I appreciated what I think the story they were trying to tell was, even if they didn't actually hit all those notes correctly. Look, I'll tell you uh, the uh, you know if they if they were planning on sending anyone off tonight, you know this could have been it could have been a lot worse. You know, just look at how Heath Heath Slater was sent off a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, then after the match, the lights go dark and Scarlet appears. At the top of the ring, and she comes down to the ring and leaves in it the broken remnants of the hourglass that was shattered since linen chests have all shut down. She can't get a proper replacement, so she left. Symbolism, Alex. It's symbolism. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, they, 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 they gave that. Honestly, I don't know. Like, if Keith Lee hasn't, had, didn't break the hourglass, would, 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 would Karrion Cross be after Adam Cole now? Because he's Adam Cole was the one he gave the hourglass to. Sure. I don't know. I think I think Keith Lee may have uh, bit off more than he could chew with that one. Um, I'm so so wary of all of this. Uh, when when they decide to to build a creepy monster and then hot shot the title near him immediately, it does not go well. See fiend comma the. It's it's not good. It doesn't look doesn't it's not great in the encyclopedia of WWE. This never works out. Um, so I'm I I hope all of the alarm bells that are going off in my head wind up being just false alarms. But right now I'm I'm scared. I I do appreciate um, Dijakovic being like uh, getting in Cross's face. Sure. And appearing appearing to be a good six inches taller than Killer Cross, you don't realize like what a massive man Dijakovic is. Um, but but Cross, I'm sorry, I'm I don't I don't I'm not into it anymore. Like any of it, I I'm uh, his his shtick where he like he breathes through his teeth. He doesn't speak. He does. That I don't is that is that English? I don't know what he's saying. Like it, like if you're gonna actually cut a promo, you gotta form vowels, my friend. Um, and and him wearing the 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 three quarter length black trench coat over a white suit and tie, it just looks like he's the, he's an edge lord like guy down at the mall. He doesn't look. He doesn't. He, I just look intimidating. And and the TikTok thing, the TikTok thing, like it was a TikTok. It makes me think of the crocodile from Peter Pan, which is not intimidating at all. 
So I, I'm I'm kind of I want I want him to be great, and I think that he's going to show out against Dijakovic, um, and that's going to be good. I I I think that's that's something that can work. I, I'm really wary about this whole thing sure. where you're going to build this creepy monster and then I, I, I put the title on him or or protect him. Like the, it's going to be the Hell in the Cell match with 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 Seth Rollins and and and, and the Fiend again. Like that's it, I don't mm-hmm. know. Do do they put the title on Karrion Cross in Saudi Arabia? Like I don't I, like that's that was the fix they had to do the last time. I don't know if that's available to them now. Well, we'll see what it, happens. Go ahead. Is that a is that a hot take to say that I actually prefer the Karrion Cross that we saw in Lucha Underground when he was the White Rabbit? That that felt like a a more mysterious, more menacing figure than, as Ali said, than what we see and Scarlet talking for him, I guess. It's just, I, I like Karrion Cross. He's a great wrestler, but I'm like, okay, I mean, is there anything more than just Scarlet singing her theme song and just coming out for him? Mm-hmm. Like, I like like I liked when he was in Lucha Underground as the White Rabbit more than what we're seeing now. Sure. And I love Karrion Cross. Anakin left us a super chat, says, so much for Dijakovic going to main roster. Well, you know, as they say, plans change. And I'm going to tell you guys, clearly, I feel like after tonight, they are setting up, of course, they're setting up Killer Cross, Killer, Killer Cross excuse me, versus Dijakovic. Uh, and they leaned into the friendship stuff so that it becomes personal yeah. for Keith Lee once Key, Killer Cross completely obliterates your boy Dijakovic obliterate him so bad he has to go up to main roster mm. damien priest uh versus cameron grimes was a match that happened tonight started out very quickly as priest wanted to get things done it was a very physical match priest takes uh, grimes down with a series of big strikes he hits a razor's edge on grimes outside against the apron grimes hits that neat what is this like a spinning power slam spanish fly type move it's it's cool i it like it when he does it looks like it damages Cameron Grimes yeah. more than it does his opponent. Absolutely. I, I it's one of it's his least favorite thing it's my least favorite thing that he does. I like it. I don't know. It just it it just comes out of nowhere. I like it, but yeah, I agree. It does look like it hurts him too. Uh Priest uh, wins the match with an inverted assisted spinning DDT that he calls the reckoning. <laughs> the- but it was it was special this time because because Karrion Cross was in the ropes. Oh, Which, there you go. You know, so it was a special one. Um, nothing much to this match, Alex. I guess the feud is over. I don't know. I that's what it appeared to be because then Priest gets up and it is super deep, basso profundo voices like Keith Lee, time to die to COVID. I, I'm ready to watch and see what happens. I can't wait. Good luck, boys. Like, okay, cool, cool. Um, but not cool because. <laughs> I've seen you face Keith Lee so many times. There you go. I, and and I, I guess I guess it may have been all just talk because it looks like Keith Lee's booked up for the future uh, with with a guy with, with the and Edge Lord down at the mall is going to take up all of his time. Uh, but you know TikTok. <laughs> My goodness, yeah, I get you. I, you don't like you don't like your local hot topic. I don't think right, Alex. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> Not super. No. We get a we get a promo of Timothy Thatcher hurting some guys again. Yeah, 
And then that leads into uh, that leads into a match against Denzel Dejournet. Hey, there's not much to talk about here other than Thatcher sort of tries to grapple, maybe comes off as the teacher to begin with. But no, he wins the match with a leg submission and he won't release it. Not until Oni Lorcan runs in for the save. Alex, I look at this. If they're going forward with Oni and Thatcher, there's only two words that come to mind. Fight pit. Yeah, no, it needs to, it needs to be in the fight pit. Uh, I think I think Timothy Thatcher should sign a contract where all of his matches must be content, contested in the fight pit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love the vignettes that he's doing. Um, I like the idea of um, here's how you, you, you break a guy and then you break him even more to make sure he doesn't want to come back for a rematch. But oops, you forgot that Oni Lorkin isn't like other dudes who you've broken and then broken harder because he eats pigeons. Like he like so 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 that's not a normal dude. Like he he has he has no fear. He can, he doesn't feel pain like you and I. Uh, he's bathed in the blood of birds his entire life. He will not stop coming at you. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I wish the Twitter gimmick was was his real gimmick. Uh, Carlos, uh, I mean, we could do a lot better, a lot worse, I mean, for Timothy Thatcher than, than to rematch against Oni and just let those two let those two go at it. You know, we as far as fans go, we all win in this in this type of situation. Yeah, and listen, and I like the Timothy Thatcher vignette that they've been showing. It's 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 different. It's a side that I didn't expect we would see out of Timothy Thatcher, that ruthless teacher gimmick. And listen, Oni Lorcan is literally the type of guy where you know Timothy Thatcher is gonna break his arm. Oni gets up and literally stares at at Timothy's face and just says, "Thank you, sir. May I have another?" <laughs> it's it, it's it's great. It's, it's like those two are made for each other, and the fight pit is made for those two. Like I, Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle had a great match in the fight pit. I think Oni Lorcan would thrive even more than Matt Riddle in the fight pit. We had Shotzi Blackheart and her tank lose. To Indy Hartwell, Shotzi got a lot of offense, and this was basically being set up as a as a uh, an enhancement match for Shotzi. Uh, she hits a step up knee in the corner and uh, and follows up uh, with a DDT off the second turnbuckle. But Robert Stone arrives, hobbling, uh, limping, and he distracts uh, shot the referee actually, which allows Aaliyah to interfere. Hartwell takes advantage. Kicks Shotzi, gets the win. So we are absolutely moving forward with uh, with a Robert Stone uh, brand Shotzi Blackheart feud, Alex. Sure, Shotzi versus Aaliyah can take up some time uh, for a few weeks, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that Rhea, they they made a deal out of Rhea Ripley tweeting that I'm done with the Robert Stone things. Like, oh, thank God. We could we could move on to something else with Rhea Ripley. Sure. She doesn't need to slum it with this anymore. Um, the, the the actually the best part of this whole Robert Stone angle that happened this week uh, was was the little thing earlier today that happened in the vestibule where where Robert Stone and is talking to Killian Dane. Uh, Killian Dane just wants to murder him, but then Aaliyah runs in with a drawing. I guess she just took off the easel of Dexter Loomis. 
I didn't know and where she found part, that. I don't know. I was like, look what I got. Like, yeah. where, did you, where did you get it? Um, I love just, I, now I have deleted scene where she's like Catherine Zeta-Jones in that one movie where she's like crawling under the lasers in order to get this thing off of like an art, like in an art museum. Because that's where all of Dexter Loomis's stuff belongs, in an art museum. So she's got this thing now and it's got part of the drawing is is Killian Dane standing there with a, with a cup of coffee being poured over his head. And, and him being caricatured in such a manner makes Killian Dane so furious that he says, you want me not to murder you, Robert Stone? You get me a match with Dexter Loomis. And I, I'm, listen, I'm totally here for Killian Dane just beating up his own manager until his manager gets him matches. That would be a great twist that on this whole fun. manager I thing. Agree. I haven't seen that in, ever, maybe. It, that, that's great. That's, that's a really, really great thing to do. Listen, I know the thing of like Robert Stone is a thinly veiled um, avatar for Tony Khan that, that's out there. Like That's the big conspiracy theory. I don't know what the hell it is. But if you're going to use Robert Stone in this way, like finding new and interesting ways for him to be this complete and total weakling, like having Killian Dane, you give me a match or else, yes, sir, I will get you a match. Managers never do that. This is a new way of using him. I like that. And Killian Dane versus Dexter Loomis could be great. We didn't mention this. There was that little um, um, uh, video package to start the entire night where it was like all these people in in the, uh, like you've got the biggest target painted on you in NXT history because you're a two champ. So all the guys are like, hey, Keith, I want a match. Hey, Keith, hey, Keith, hey, Keith, hey, Keith. And when they get to Dexter Loomis, he doesn't say, hey, Keith, because he's a functional mute. He just goes this <laughs> into the camera. It was like, hey, Keith, hey, Keith, hey, Keith, hey, Keith. Hey, Keith, hey, Keith, hey, Keith. That was just so great. It was so true to Dexter Loomis. I can't wait to see him put Killian Dane to sleep in his lap. That's going to be a lot of fun. The line drive left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says uh, there was a tease on Twitter of bringing Melina in for the Robert Stone brand thoughts. Well, as far as I know, Melina is working for NWA, of course. NWA right now, there's a lot of limbo going on in regards to contracts and whatnot. Um, and as far as I can tell, with the work that she put into um, that she put into NWA, for what I saw. Um, I don't think she's uh, she's quite the worker she once was, which is normal. Um, Alex, what do you think? No, I don't think we. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we. I don't think NXT would 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 need her. I don't think so either. I don't think Carlos. Yeah, nah, I, I don't think so. I mean, if if she ends up there, whatever. It's she's not gonna. You know be a factor into the big picture no. uh, if anything she probably would just help out some of the younger newer talents get over but aside from that i mean not much of a point to it i agree we get a santos escobar promo he's with uh raul mendoza and joaquin wild they and uh alex they have they have issues with brizongo because brizongo came out of the dressed up at like the conquistadors last week so they have issues Tell me, tell me about, uh, tell me about all these issues. I, I really enjoyed this because they have a point. Like you, you mocked our heritage, and I like that they said what we're doing. No, we understand where where the, where the where the lucha tradition comes from. We are steeped in that tradition. Just because we don't wear the masks doesn't mean we're 
crapping all over it. Like, and I, and I, I think that's a, that's a cool thing. Brizongo did mock their heritage, mock mm-hmm. their culture, mock their, their traditions. I think that's a great reason for them to be uh, in this feud. I love this segment. I thought it was a really great way. Like, I, honestly, I had no idea that um, that now Santos Escobar and the former King Cuerno and the former uh, El Hijo del Fantasma, I didn't realize what a great talker he was. Yeah. Like, like he should have been talking all the time and all these other things because he wasn't. This He's great at this. He's so charismatic. Um, and I really like um, the way that they're giving uh, Wild and Mendoza each distinct personalities as opposed to like just his two henchmen. One of them is this way. Another one is this way. I like that as well. I'm all for this this um, faction expanding, mm-hmm. um, joining forces with Andrade and uh, Angel Garza on the main roster to make like a a super villainous former luchador type type thing. I think that would be really cool if they if they eventually do it. I thought this was really great and established them also. I loved him saying we're going to take this from the sideshow, the cruiserweight championship division, to the main card. We're going to make this thing important, and I think the best way that they could do that. They have guys, A, on the main roster they're not doing anything with, like Mustafa Ali. Hello, Mustafa Ali versus Santos Escobar. Take all of my money. And then guys like Cedric, who aren't up there not really doing anything. Ricochet, have him lose two pounds. He's under the limit. Gargano's under the limit. Finn Balor's under the limit. Mm -hmm. You could make the Cruiserweight Championship a serious undercard belt that all guys want even if they're under the limit, they want the belt. You have guys who are losing weight to try and get under the limit so they can have that belt. Cameron Grimes, like, trying as hard as he can to lose 20 pounds <laughs> so he can get under the weight limit would be a lot of fun. You could do a lot of cool stuff with this. So I'm, I'm really here for them making the Cruiserweight division special. And, and the way you do that is by not having Drake Maverick have any more title shots. Sorry. Then we we reach our main event where women's uh, NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai successfully defended her title against Tegan Knox. Alex, uh, just before we actually get into the match, you know this is another women's uh, match main eventing a WWE card here during the week of the fifth anniversary of Evolution. Alex, um, WWE and uh, and their women's Evolution. Uh, how far do we think we uh, we've come in the past five years, my friend? Uh, so, so far, and I I, I want to say I want to say that it is all to the great benevolent largesse of history's greatest feminist, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, because without her, we all know none of this would be possible. It was all her idea. She invented the concept of letting women wrestle as opposed to just you know parade around in their brawn panties. It was all her idea. It was all her idea. And I, I, I want to say thank you again to history's greatest feminist, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. That's all I want to say. She created the title that Moolah held for a million years. We should give Stephanie McMahon credit for that. For all the titles that women have held in the 1900s, yes. she also deserves credit. It was all, all, her, all her doing. Um, there's some groundwork to begin between uh, both these women and then some, some, some strikes follow. This was a pretty physical match overall. Knox catches a flying Io Shirai, uh, with a fallaway slam and into a bridge, uh, which was really cool. Um, 
Shirai uh, is in control for most of the match here. Uh, picking Nox apart. She gets a crossface in as well. Uh, um, gonna throw to you right here, Alex. She, Shirai acted a lot the heel in this match. She was very, very much... I didn't see a smiling, uh, this is my NXT, I'm protecting my territory, Io Shirai. She was, uh, uh, she was a little nasty. Well, yeah, that's the, that was why I was, I was interested in, in why they wind up, wound up doing this with Tegan yeah. first. Like, it was all set up to have Dakota Kai be the first challenger. She was, she was calling her out in all of her post-match promos. She was in that match to determine who was going to be the first challenger, uh, and she didn't win. And as we saw at the end of the night, she's going to get the next title shot anyway. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to give Tegan the first one if you're going to force EO to, for one match, dip back into heel EO. I'm totally fine with it if if you have EO be a Shades of Grey type character, but they haven't been doing that. Since, since she won the number one contendership, um, and, and had that match with Charlotte, she's been pure babyface. Um, so they don't they don't know how to have somebody be really a Shades of Grey character, uh, especially their women. So everything's got to be heel or face, and you got to wrestle from underneath, or you got to you got you got to wrestle where you're where you're just you, you won't let anybody get an inch. You got to play the heel the whole time. They don't let the people just have a great wrestling match between two people, especially with the women. So. When they had Tegan Knox as her challenger, the only option they had was to make EO a heel again for, for one night. And now she's going to be back to being a babyface because we know who she's going to face next, which is Dakota Kai, who's super heel. So it's just having her flip-flop. She's she's changing face heel more often than Big Show was a couple of years ago. Ooh, that's not, uh, that's not a good look. Uh, there's a double underhook backbreaker by EO Shirai running senton by Knox in the corner. Top rope splash that follows that can put EO away. Eo gets a 619 in, a missile shotgun dropkick. But uh, Tegan fights back with a gourd buster and a molly go round, but it's not enough. And Eo Shirai hits a knee and the moonsault to win the match. But as Eo Shirai is heading back up the ramp and celebrating, she gets face washed by Dakota Kai, who just out of nowhere knocks the NXT Women's Champion down. Alexander. <laughs> You know, there's also speculation going around that maybe Team Kick is due for a for a reunion. Um, yeah, no, I've heard it. I and it's the I, kind of thing... I don't I don't doubt the speculation exists. I don't doubt that it might be true. You had like Dakota Kai turn heel on her best friend Tegan Knox in the most public and like like monumental uh, yep. of ways just in November for them to be like, you know what? bygones are bygones all oh, it's all water under the bridge yep. let's be friends again already just just it it extends the whole thing of like women <laughs> women be crazy right you never know what a woman will do that's like that's basically been the the thought process of how they book the women this in their entire career oh, i'm sorry I, for, I forgot stephanie mcmahon helmsley and race feminist and women's yeah yes and a great benevolence um, Anakin JMD left us a super chat says does it feel to anyone else that Tegan has replaced Johnny Gargano as the heart and soul of the uh, the heart and soul underdog babyface of NXT I am here for it Alex you're sort of shaking your head a bit 
Sure. I mean, like, I don't know about the uh, all of it, but certainly among the women, she 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 fits that role, the role once personified by Candice LeRae. Let's mm-hmm. see if Tegan actually gets her hands on the title as a baby face because they never let Candice get her hands on it. True. I will say um, the only way, like, sp- like if I was writing, okay, we're going to make Tegan champion. The only way to actually do that right to me is to have Rhea be the one she takes it from. Because right. Rhea was the one who, quote-unquote, injured her. Her story goes, I was in a match with Rhea Ripley, who at that point was wrestling really heel. It wasn't actually because of Rhea, but they'll fudge it and say it was because of Rhea. She, she took, Rhea Ripley took a whole year of, I, I thought my career was over. Now I'm going to take her title. That's how you write that story and build her even more into that person. And you can have Rhea be pissed that this person, this little scrappy dog is barking at her heels and Rhea gets to turn heel again, which is what Rhea really was. At least give her more edge. Mm -hmm. At least have her be that person who showed up in NXT as a heel, but was a, was a baby face because she went after Shayna. And then like we, we got to, we got to know Rhea. We got to love Rhea. And then they were like, golly gee whiz. I can't believe I get a match at WrestleMania versus Charlotte Flair. Oh my God. I can't, I don't belong in a match with Charlotte Flair. They ruined her. They could easily like redeem her by having her be a little bit more edgy in a feud with Tegan. That means of course, Rhea's got to get the title back eventually, but I don't think she's a one-time title holder. Rhea Ripley. Right. Well, there you have it, folks. NXT, AEW, we went through it all. And thank you very much for watching and listening to the very end here. Remember to head on over to FightfulSelect.com and show your support. Subscribe today, not tomorrow. Today, I mean, you could tomorrow, but today is actually better if you do that. That uh, And it's the best way to show your support for Fightful. So thank you very much in advance. Also want to thank Carlos Toro for subbing for Louie tonight. Carlos, um, you know, as opposed to when Louis done and there's sunshine peering through his windows and the birds are chirping, <laughs> I'm confident knowing that you'll, you, you know, this is a, a normal day for you. Let the people know where they can find you and what you're up to over the next few days. Well, I mean, uh, on Fightful, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm full-time on Fightful as a wrestling writer, so you can find my work there. You can find me on Twitter at CarlosToro360, where at 4 p.m. on Thursday, I will start another NXT AEW war when I start tweeting about the ratings. So that's going to be fun to go through. And uh, and I have my own YouTube channel, Carlos Toro Media, currently the working title, where I will post a lot of my interviews that I've done from my time at Fightful and more. And I'm going to be doing some new stuff, especially on the boxing side. As I mentioned, I left Fightful on the boxing side, but I still, but I'm still going to keep exploring other options than boxing. So I'll be doing both wrestling and boxing. So that'll be fun. That's fantastic. And again, thank you very much for for joining us, Carlo. It was a pleasure to have you. Anakin left us a super chat. Says Alex, that's a great idea. Get gets Rhea her edge back and elevates Tegan more. Why haven't WWE hired you to their creative? Have you listened to Sour Graps? Because that's the anti-resume. Yeah, I don't. I, I if they're if they're aware of my other work, <laughs> I I feel like they might be disinclined to offer me a job. Let the people know where they can find you, Alex. 
Yeah, you can find me at Alex Sourgraps on, on the Twitter. And on Tuesdays, I review Raw. And on Saturdays, I review SmackDown uh, on Fightful Select. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a good old time when I, when I turn beat red from yelling about karaoke showdowns. Uh, guys, <laughs> it, just subscribing to watch uh, Alex's review of SmackDown last week is worth your money thank you all i yeah i'm mr warren hayes you can follow me on twitter at mr warren hayes or subscribe to my youtube channel and come over to my live stream tomorrow night 9 p.m eastern youtube.com slash mr warren hayes thank you all very much for joining us here this evening on fightful appreciate you all have a great uh, great week we'll see you next week next wednesday louis should be back bye everyone <laughs> this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.